Praise the Lord, everyone. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I've uh, altered my uh, intended Bible study tonight, which was to uh, give us a few lessons during the summer on uh, creation and evolution. So uh, in <clears throat> I've felt in prayer so strong, and I know that some may take it as too strong, but I preach Sunday on this same vein, but tonight I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and talk about what we can expect as holiness people in the last days. And we certainly have, uh, the, the our nation has, uh, don't think that, and don't take this lightly, our nation has taken a turn that I think will wake some people up. And there are people who are beginning to say, I wonder what's happening. And if the church goes to sleep and says, hum-ho, it makes no difference, then they, those people will be lost in, in spite of what the Lord is trying to do. But we're getting ready now. I'm going to have you be seated just a moment. But Brother French, I was hoping he would explain it, but he didn't, he didn't get to the announcement about the August uh, Revival Wednesdays. Is that what we're calling it? Revival Wednesdays. To our lesson tonight, what we can expect. So could we pray and ask the Lord to bless his word and anoint our pastor tonight, that God will have his way. Father, I pray tonight that your word will be rich, that our hearts will receive it, that our minds can receive it, that faith will come. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Are we going to have to start all over, or do you know how to? Praise the Lord. <laughs> all right, so it's cut off. Um, I'm, I'm not it, for letting us delay there. For Second Corinthians, if you have your Bible, chapter 6 is a very important scripture for the church in these last days if they're to maintain holiness. Because the temptation is going to be to pull away from holiness and to imbibe the spirit of the world. And, you know, you can in bring the world in one little thing at a time by saying, well, I used to didn't do that, but I'm going to do that now, or so-and-so's church does that, so I'm going to do that now, and bring things into your life that you do not know what you are bringing into your life because you've never done that before. You've always committed that to the Lord, and then suddenly you let loose of that. All right, so look, let's look at verse 14. I'm skipping some, but you can tell where they are. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? So the pervasive spirit of the last days is that I can do all kinds of unrighteousness and I'm still righteous, which of course is the exact opposite of what the scripture says. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, many people, of course, link, and I, I, I believe it myself, that to be unequally yoked has to do with marriage, not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But it nowhere in the passage says specifically, now 1 Corinthians 7 talks about, is all about marriage, but this is 2 Corinthians, and this is all about holiness. 
Holiness means being separated from unrighteousness, not letting yourself be controlled by unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? What is, what is light having to do with darkness? That's what the, uh, Paul is asking us. And I'm skipping a bit here. Verse 15, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now, of course, you know, an inf- in- infidel is, a, is an unbeliever. So we could just say what part hath the a believer with an unbeliever. What, what, is, uh, what is the difference? Well, the difference is holiness and walking with God in the light of the gospel. Wherefore, come out from among them. Now he quotes. Now, some people have said he quotes uh, a particular passage. He actually quotes about six, at least three, between three and six different places in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so on, which, which he puts together to argue that the Old Testament view of holiness remains intact. That is, that holiness is separation from sin. Light is not darkness. If you're doing the things of darkness, then you are darkness. If you're full of racism, you're full of hate, then that's not of God. You can't say it's of God when it's not of God. Light and darkness are different things. So, wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, of course, he's quoting there about the Old Testament law touching the unclean, but he's, re- he's referring it back to separation from ungodliness. In other words, he is making a New Testament application that we must be separated from darkness. We must be separated from unrighteousness. He's not talking about the sacrifice of the Old Testament now. He's talking about New Testament holiness. So every time I quote this, of course, to my, oh, I can do anything I want to, friends, they, they say, well, that's Old Testament. And it's not, I'm reading from 2 Corinthians. Come out from among them. And verse 18, and, and he says, I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God, Lord Almighty. And so it is, if we live holy, separate from sin, then he will be a father to us. He never said that he would be a father to us if we live like a devil. He never said that. He, he isn't making room for the devil in heaven, and he's not making room for other devils in heaven. He's expecting us to follow his path. He's loving, he's merciful, he understands, he's with us every moment, but he intends for us to separate ourselves from darkness. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, that is that he would be, that he would be with us, that he would uh, be our father and so on, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So I'm, I'm for the media folks, I'm, I'm going to let them entitle this, the short version is Holiness in the End Time. But I'm, I'm speaking specifically about holiness and what to expect in the last days. So <clears throat> we have now a nation that was once a, uh, a, the Supreme Court feared God and his word, and now we have a, a Supreme Court that has outlawed the Bible from our courts and says that an abomination is fully acceptable and will now begin to reach its hands further and further into the church. Well, this is no time to fall asleep. This is a time to keep our eyes open. Why, why is it that we, 
would allow others to carry the responsibility that God has placed on our shoulders. It is our responsibility to stand for righteousness in the last days. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is our, it's our privilege to do it. Now when I say holiness, I've put it here so nobody's wondering. I don't mean holiness only of the heart. I mean visible holiness that demonstrates devotion to God. Outward holiness that is demonstrated in the way you dress and the way you act and the way you talk and the way you touch other people's lives. Now, everybody knows someone that has outward holiness that's a hypocrite. Everybody knows them. But just because somebody's a hypocrite doesn't mean that there's not real and genuine and important outward holiness. And I I do not like it when the brethren think that all holiness is about women's dress. Holiness is about outward appearance. And you represent this church everywhere you go. And they want to know, what, I didn't think you believed in that, Brother French. What's going on? I, didn't, I thought you preached against that. Well, what they're doing is they're saying, oh, I see, I see, because they notice. But I want to tell you who notices most, and that is the heart of the sinner. They notice and they're watching. And I want to tell you the battle, the battle is hard. If folks, folks, if you do not see that the church is in the midst of a battle, I would say we are on the battlefield just before the coming of the Lord. That's how I look at it. And so I I intend to be ready. I intend to accept whatever comes, whatever we have to face. I'm getting ready. We're going to have a business. We're going to put some things into our bylaws. We're talking and listening to what headquarters is sending us. And and they've made some changes so that we can adapt to what's going on legally. Now listen, sinners can do whatever they choose to do. But the church must obey God. We must do what God tells us to do. So the outward holiness is generated from the spirit-filled heart. So it's how many knows it's the Holy Spirit? It's not the unholy spirit. It's never called how many knows it's never called the unholy spirit? All right, it's never called that. All right, so holiness. Now, so here we see that we are to perfect holiness, and I'm going to get past this now, but what we have just read in 2 Corinthians will set the stage for us to look at what we can expect in the, in the days ahead before the coming of the Lord. We should not be getting more and more worldly. Now, if you want to let your hymns out and make them a little bit longer, that's one thing. But you shouldn't be shortening them up. You shouldn't say, well, I don't know. These, I, who cares about the sleeves? You need to be holiness from your shoulders and uh, your, your entire self should be a representation of holiness. I'm not interested in anything else but holiness. So in no way am I imitating or seeking after the world. I'm not watching the world. I'm not watching the daily soaps to determine whether I'm uh, whatever. I'm not looking at what uh, some movie star is wearing to decide what I'm going to wear. And the worldly trends are just as worldly today as they were back in Egypt. They're still worldly. And the church is not seeking after those. Instead, we're seeking truth in the light, not the darkness. We are searching. Everybody say praise the Lord. We are searching for the will of God. Let's lift our hands and let's ask God to help us. Father, we're searching for the will of God. How to respond in a dark world with light in our hearts. We ask you to help us to do it in Jesus' name. This is what's called perfecting holiness. 
all right, or being focused on cleansing and purity. For example, if you, uh, if you have a video player and you're watching, uh, maybe you have something for the kids or whatever, and, and something comes along that's not proper, or whatever it is you're watching or listening to, you need to start filtering it out. If it's ungodly, I want to tell you what it's called. It's called a, what we, we call it around our place, a trash can. And so if it's ungodly, someone gave me, said, oh, Richard, here's something you ought to watch. And I blomp, went right in the garbage can. Someone said, well, why didn't you tell them before they gave it to you? I, I, they gave it to me. I could do what I want to with it. Blomp, went right in the garbage can. Because that's where that should go. Just because somebody else is making money on it doesn't mean I'm going to be entertained by it. I'm not going to be entertained by evil. About 1960, they started this business of laughing at adultery. That's why we're where we're at now. Because, you know, the, to make light of evil and think it's funny, and the next thing you know, it's just little by little by little. What we need to be doing is the opposite. We need to be trying to get ho- a little more holy. Does anybody, is anybody here so holy that you couldn't get closer to God if your life depended on it? Is there somebody here that's so holy that you don't need a prayer meeting? You don't even need a prayer meeting because you're above prayer meetings. Folks, this is the last days. It is critical that we get closer to God. Now, I'm not saying that if you, if you let your hymn out, that makes you... What I'm saying is we need to get closer to God so that He can show us His will in the midst of darkness. Give us light. So, in other words, perfecting holiness is the opposite of what's happening in the world, and that's increasing holiness. In other words, I want to be, Lord, I want to be holy. I, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to draw closer to you and... And I want to be the kind of person. Listen, let's say you're a grouch. Let's say you're a grouch. Well, you can overcome that through the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You guys are looking at me so funny. I mean it. Some of you don't know how to treat your wife right or your husband right. You can overcome that through the Holy Ghost. Now, it isn't easy. I didn't mean it's just some, okay, A, B, C. But you can become a better mom, a better dad. You can become what God wants you to by studying the Word of God. But if your Bible has dust on it and you care not for holiness, you will not draw closer to God. And I want to warn you right now, you need to be careful. This is a world that's in trouble. And you need to guard your heart. Young people, listen to me. Whatever the rest of them think, I'm telling you right now, you need to guard your heart. You need, if, listen, if this world thinks it's funny and they're dancing to it and it's ungodly, you need to throw it in the trash. You need to say no to sin and yes to holiness. Lord, I want to be holy. And, and if you feel a little conviction, so here's what the devil say. Oh, don't worry about that, you know. Well, what if the Lord's trying to convict you? What if, that, what if there's a little... What you need to do is you need to start being especially careful. I believe that. I'm going to preach it. I believe you need to be especially careful. And there's nothing... Someone said, well, I could, get a, I could go to heaven and do that. Usually they're talking about stuff. Something that they can go to heaven and get away with. In other words, I can do. I can, I can go to heaven and get away with that. All right, but the Bible says, "Come out from among them." Can you see? Do you see that at the bottom there? Can you read it with me? I'm sorry, I just covered it up. 
Come out from among them and be ye separate. That's a New Testament command. Now, folks, that is an Old Testament command brought right into the New Testament. Now, I want to look at what we can expect, and that is that the spiritual backsliding that we've been seeing for uh, in America for a number of years is going to increase. Now, first of all, uh, we will see in, in this backsliding the diminishing of holiness to an unverifiable inward something. In other words, holiness will be said to be uh, I'm holy even though I'm gay or I'm holy even though I murder someone or I'm holy even though I get drunk every Friday night. In other words, holiness is no longer definable by anything you can look at or recognize. Holiness is, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I, I love God in my heart. And then usually that's followed by something like God knows my heart. Nobody can judge my heart and so on. All right. Which, of course, is not true. The Bible does not teach for one minute that nobody can judge your heart. Now, only God knows the heart. But the Bible gives us all kinds of examples where we can look at what's going on and say, I, I see what's going on there. For example, lady comes in, she's got a, she's some, you know, knocked her eye and it's all swollen. I can judge what's going on there. I'm not a fool or an idiot. And listen, by the way, there's not a judge in this world that would say you walked in and there's a dead man laying there. I can't judge this just because there's a dead man there. If there's a dead man laying there, I can go, ooh, ooh, Sherlock Holmes here. That, that's a dead man. Somebody must have, well, that's number one, somebody must have killed that person. And then, and, uh, and see what I mean? I mean, wouldn't we be fools to not be able to determine when we look? If something is ungodly and violates the word of God, then it is unholy. All right, so it's true, it's true. But the pressure is going to be that everybody's holy. Every religion's holy. Everybody, no matter what you do, is, is okay. Even if they have outward evil sin and worldliness and so on. Now, so there will be then the total emulation and love of the world. What I mean by that is we're going to see an increasing sense that religious people will head, go headlong after the world and ungodliness. It's ways, it's movie stars, it's mocking spirit and pride, and it's cravings, it's pleasures, it's corruption, and it's violation of God's eternal word. I think we're going to see more and more of it. Now, I don't know how much time we have uh, at all. I don't know. But I, I honestly believe that we are going to see judgment fall on a wicked world much sooner than most people think. That God is going to judge, just like the book of Revelation says, it's all going to come to pass. And so we can expect spiritually for there to be a divine judgment to come. So, and that divine judgment, of course, is described in the book of Revelation and, of course, all through the Bible. But, but I, I, I believe it's coming sooner than, than later. Now, the question, though, is, if you, as you see, this is a picture of Niagara Falls. The question is, will, will I wait... I use myself. Will I wait until it's too late? And many, many people will flirt with the world. They will follow after the world. They will lose touch with God, thinking that the Lord will not come, that it won't make any difference. And that's why the Bible says it's like a thief in the night. He's going to come, and it's going to happen, but then it's too late. The other uh, 
I'm going to link that with the illustration of the of Niagara Falls because I don't know why I'm fascinated by Niagara. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by Niagara, but I've often thought of it as like you, how many knows that this the St. Lawrence has many, 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 all coming down through Canada, all those tributaries, little streams coming together. Come, they come together, they, they're rushing, rushing, coming out of the mountains. Here we go. And then the build of the great big St. Lawrence. And then all of a sudden you come to this amazing Niagara Falls. And, and it just builds until and finally you reach that precipice. Well, that is exactly how I see prophecy being fulfilled. All of these things are coming together little by little. And there's coming until finally we reach that point that the final judgment, the final prophecy comes together. Now, Jesus even, he never knew, used Niagara, of course, but, um, <clears throat> but uh, he does say in Matthew, and I never did put it on there, but it's Matthew 24, 12. I know it is. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I thought I put it on there, but it's not, I don't see it on there. But I'm going to quote it. It's right here, and it's, it's over the mist of the falls of Niagara. Because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I'm, I'm using this specifically, and how many are praying tonight that the Lord will have his way in what we're saying tonight? I'm not going to be lengthy, so don't, don't get nervous. I can tell some of you are a little nervous. But, but I feel very, very strongly that we need a word from this pulpit. A word from this pulpit. All right. So because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In other words, I was going to put that on here, too. Maybe that's when I lost the Matthew 24, 12, because I had over here to the side some stuff and I thought, forget it. But because the world becomes increasingly wicked, that will cause religious folks to follow suit. They will embrace the darkness instead of remaining true to holiness. So this is what I'm calling uh, a world of spiritual chaos. Now, we are really there already, church. We are in a culture right now, not just America, but most of the world, actually, although there are parts of the world. There are only 21 countries, as you know, that have uh, made rulings that say that gays and homosexuals can marry one another. Same-sex marriage is allowable in 21 countries, but there are 200 and some odd countries. They do not allow it. And so there is pressure. There will be mounting pressure. But what we are seeing here is the beginning of the end. We're actually seeing a, a, what I'm calling the Niagara effect, where suddenly we're, we're racing towards judgment, or, or as it says at the top, they're rushing over the precipice. And so it is that the church needs to be aware. It would be, it would be foolish for us not to be aware that we need to be praying. I believe we should be praying like we've never been praying. I believe we need to be stronger on holiness than we've ever been. I believe we need to love the Bible more than we've ever loved it. Maybe there was a time you could just throw it over there and not think about it. But I wouldn't do that today if I were you. I'd get a hold of a Bible and I would read it. Now, number one, here we go. I'm only going to give you three and then I'm done. But I want to look first of all at what to expect. Now, the first thing that I am... Uh, going to mention is I believe that we're going to see an acceleration of the teaching in our culture that rejects biblical outward holiness. In other words, I believe they will get angry at people 
who speak against sin, especially from a pulpit. They'll probably pass laws that say you can't make such speech and then they will arrest us because we do so. And no matter, you can say, I did it in love. I love them. I don't hate them. They're going to brand it hate speech. And no matter what we try to do, then they'll try to go after church properties. In fact, they are already doing it. They would love to say only the churches that do like we say because this is a right and nobody can speak against it. So in other words, freedom of speech goes right out the window. Religious freedom, then freedom of speech, and then we are communist nation. All right? So the end game is the rejection of true Christianity. That is to say, we're going to outlaw everything that doesn't follow what I think is proper. So this is very similar, I would say, to what Hitler did. It all begins with marginalizing everything that is deemed unacceptable. And they do it through Hollywood and laughing at it, joking, be on the nightly news. And then, oh, Reverend French over there, he preached a whole sermon one Wednesday night. And then on Sunday night, he told, asked America to repent and so on. And so that's going to be laughed at. And they're going to they think that, okay, if we, we'll take one, probably one church will be the test church. And they'll maybe a, a really big church. And, and then they will say, okay, we're coming after that church just like, uh, just like they've done other, in other times. All right? And, of course, the very first thing that has to go is visible Outward holiness followed by coercion to embrace immorality in increasingly shocking ways. In other words, you must embrace things that no matter what the Bible says, your conscience to obey the Bible can no longer have precedence over someone else's right. See, we used to, for example, I've always preached against adultery. And no one ever, they've never gone to the Supreme Court and said, Adultery is okay, although Americans have accepted adultery as okay long ago. And you know why? Because it is accelerating. We are seeing the acceleration of it. Now, so I expect that there will be an increasing mantra that says we can do whatever we want to do. And only the old fogies believe otherwise. Now, the vast majority of Americans do not believe for one second in this, and yet it's still the law of the land. Now, I would suggest that we need to look very closely at John 8. Ye shall know the truth. Could we lift our hands one more time and let's ask God to help us to really grasp what is right and have a good heart, a good spirit. Lord, we're going to know the truth and we want to know the truth. When years ago when I wanted to get rebaptized, I hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name. They said, well, you, 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 you can't understand. Nobody understands God. You can't know what. I said, well, Jesus said we shall know the truth and that Jesus is the light of the world. So they're, they're supposed to be. How many of you believe that Jesus wants us to understand? He wants us to know what is good and what is right. Now, am, am I perfect? Am I Jesus? Am I? No, I'm not Jesus. But he is Lord. And so I'm going, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow after God. I'm not going to follow after man. So when they walk in here, because they're already saying, the, the gay rights folks have already made announcements, they're going to walk into churches right here in Atlanta, going to walk into churches, and they're going to demand certain things. Will you do this? Will you do that? And we're, we're already ready to just do what we've always done, love people, and... Preach the word of God. 
We're going to stand strong to the word of God. We're not going to change, not at all. No matter what someone said, well, that's, that's old hat. You're not, you're not cool. That's right. I'm not cool. And I am a servant of God. And I am hungering for holiness. I'm not, a, I'm not for one minute going to follow after the way of the world. And by the way, folks, the church is not a bakery. Someone said, do I have to bake a cake for someone? And do I have to do this? The church is a body of believers that are based upon the word of God. And we're going to continue to be so. Now, let's keep going. Now, we need to pray urgently how to be obedient to and how to fulfill this scriptural command in 1 John chapter 1. Love not the world. We need to really pray urgently that God will help us to do it. Love not the world. Folks, we're living in a different day than we were 15, 20, 30 years ago. The world has changed and we are closer to the precipice than we have ever been. And if we ever followed the admonition of the Lord to love not the world, that is today. We're to love people, but we are not to love this system. I, don't, I didn't love it when they were buying slaves. I didn't love it when they were aborting babies. I didn't love it when they were murdering. I don't love it when they take their guns and shoot our young people on the streets. I do not love this world system. I love the God of heaven. That's who I am serving. And that's who I am following. So I don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You say, Brother Finch, you need to really teach on that. Fine, I will, that's fine. But I'm asking you to pray that the Spirit will help you to see what it is to love not the world. Now, so now is the time to deepen your love for God as never before. If you've been playing church I would suggest if you don't have the real Holy Ghost, you've not been baptized right, or you've been wrestling with things, now is the time to get a hold of God and say, Lord, I need to get a hold of you. I feel like you're coming soon. I would not wait. I do not want it on my hands to say, Brother French never warned us. Jesus was just days from coming, and you never said a word about it. You need to recommit yourself to holiness. You need to recommit yourself to authority and listen to the preaching of the word of God. And you need to increase your trust in God's word. Now you see that all of this, what it is doing as we approach the precipice, is to make folks think the Bible is some mean, weird, archaic, out of date, horrid something. Of course, you know, the devil's been trying that ever since Adam and Eve. So there's nothing new about it. But we are approaching the precipice. And I would suggest that you reinforce and increase your love and trust in the word of God. I would, I would suggest that you read it more often than you've read it before. That you get into a, a really a, a Bible study that helps you to, to get more into the word of God. And I would suggest that you be in Bible study. That you be in prayer meetings and that you gather together. Hey, folks, we must do it. Now, we need to get our eyes off the world. Isaiah said, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, number two, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I know some of you are getting nervous. All right, number two, I said there's just three, all right? Number two, 
what to expect. Now, I believe that we can expect a world culture that will be in moral crisis. It will be militant against God and righteousness. I was thinking the other day, Lord, I'm trying, I don't want to go into this, Lord. I just want to say it. That's all. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But I've been working on a Bible study about the Antichrist and how he sets in the temple and says that he is God. You remember that over there in Second Thessalonians chapter 2? And, uh, and of all through these years, I've said to myself, that just seems so, oh, that's not possible. No man would think he was God. I mean, that's just not possible unless he's a lunatic or he's possessed of Satan. So, much. so in other words, trying to think of all these ways that um, a man that the world would look to as a leader would actually say, sit in a temple in Jerusalem and say that he's God. That's how militant this crisis will be. You say, well, how close are we? We don't even have a temple in Jerusalem. You may not have been noticing, but there's a whole lot of talk about Jerusalem going on in our world. In fact, the number one concern right now is that uh, nations will obtain nuclear power that will immediately threaten the, the safety of Israel. So there we are. So moral crisis, of course, that means more than just ungodliness like sexual sin and so on. It has to do with moral crisis of all kinds. And of course we know that the Bible will be fulfilled and all these things will come to pass. They'll be increasingly ungodly and perverse. It will blur the lines in such a way that it can't distinguish evil from good. Just like right now we can't, we're not quite sure if a baby is in its mother if we should protect it or not. That I said this 30 years ago, and I'm 59. I preached a sermon 30 years ago. And you, I don't know if there's a tape of it, but if it's out there, you can get it. I was a young preacher in Chicago, and I said, if we continue this path like we did racism, if we continue a path that says we will not protect the innocent, God will judge us. It will bring unprecedented sin to our nation. And I want to tell you something, folks. We are seeing it right now. So it will blur the lines. You can't tell light from darkness. Now, 2 Timothy 3, and I've only got one more, so stay with me now. 2 Timothy, this know also, chapter 3, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. But evil men... And seducers, in other words, they're not satisfied with them them being evil. They want you to be evil. They intend to make you be evil. I call that sometimes the spirit of Hitler, but of course you know what I mean by that. It's best illustrated in in Hitler. It's best illustrated in militant uh, regimes that cannot stand for people to have freedoms. So evil men and seducers shall wax... And you notice I put the Greek at the bottom. See where I put prokopsusin? Uh, 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 I don't have, well, here, I got a pointer right there. See, prokopsusin, that's the English. I typed it in English because nobody cares, but I put it there anyway. And then here's the Greek, and it means that, uh, so this word wax, worse and worse, means it will, it will be pushed forward. Its agenda will be pushed forward more and more and more, which, as you see on the clock there, which just happens to be, is there such a time as 666? (laughs) 
I saw that and I grabbed the picture, but there's no such time as 666. Uh, unless I'm missing something, there's no such time as that. Of course, I guess that's the point. There's going to be a new day, and it's going to be 666. But that's neither here nor there. Now, <clears throat> so what, what are we to expect? All right, Luke says, For as a snare shall it come on them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. This is Jesus speaking about the last days, which I believe we're in right now, that we are to watch. Can, do you see it there? Can you see that? Can you read that with me? Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So what are we to expect spiritually? True saints will pray like never before. It's time to lay down your offenses Lay down your feelings being hurt. Lay down your, your quibbling with God over why you have to live holy. Lay down your, your pettiness. It's time to get closer to God. It's time to win souls and to get back in the prayer room. It's time for the church to pray. I'm calling the church to prayer. I'm asking the church to pray. I am saying now is the time for the church to pray. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I'm quoting, of course, from Hebrews, as you see the day approaching. So when you hear the church is having a prayer meeting, you need to check your schedule. Let me see. Let me see. Can I? Oh, let me check. Oh, let me see. Oh, I can cancel that. Cancel that. Cancel that. I'm going to prayer meeting. You do not need to be making things more important than prayer. There is nothing more important than prayer because of what it does to me and what it does to you. You need to be praying. Now, number three, and I told you I only had three, so what are we to expect? I believe that we can expect an increasing spiritual blindness. That is, people incapable of seeing what is actually true. Someone was, uh, I didn't, did anyone read about uh, the latest uh, dinosaur movies? Uh, Have they broken all records or have you heard? I heard it broke all records, but I don't know that. I just heard like it was passing on the news or something on the radio and they were talking about the new dinosaur because, by the way, we are fascinated with dinosaurs because they're not with us. They're in the earth. And so the question is, how'd they get there and where'd they come from? And if we've been here for millions of years, what about the Bible and so on? So this fascination, there are many, many people who never even open their minds to consider the possibility That evolution is not true at all. Even though everything about us tells us that we're more than dogs. We didn't just come from, we're not just like dogs. So I have a few people that say, well, we, we're just like dogs, except one day God said, okay, here's a dog, let's make them human. And we're like, oh, that's really special. But we know better every time we pick up a baby, every time we look at the sunrise. We know, we know better 
we know better. And all the dinosaurs running around in, in the world in these newest renditions. Um, but what I'm, what I'm wanting you to see, and I'm, I'm about to wrap this up, that we are increasingly blinded by our unwillingness to turn to the Bible and to the Word of God. Now you say, but Brother French, you just said one of the greatest revivals in the world is going on. Yes. Pentecostals are the fastest growing church in the world. Yes. Pentecostals are seeing more people get the Holy Ghost than any time in our history. Yes. But at the same time that the Spirit's being poured out, there is a great darkness about us. The church is running with its light. So as the days of Noah were, I put it in red on purpose because it was supposed to be dark. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, for as in the days that were before the flood. In other words, they were completely blinded to the fact that the flood was coming. They were eating, they were drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day. That, that Greek word there is basically, let's just say it like this, right up until that very moment. They were absolutely dumbfounded. When the rain, of course it had never rained in Noah's day, when the rain came and all that great uh, canopy over the earth that was up there and, and that kept people, let people live to be hundreds of years of age and when that broke open and all of a sudden there were, the earth was trembling and water began to bubble up from the fountains of the deep and that water begin to deluge the earth they were dumbfounded they knew not until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the son of man be so we can expect it Jesus predicted it but as of the times and seasons Paul said Brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, which I take to mean there's going to be nuclear problems, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Judgment will come, and God will say, all right, this is the time. Of course, God, how knows that God knows everything? He knew the time before it ever began. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. I believe that more and more souls will be shattered, young people especially, because of a, of a nation that turns its back on God. What sorrow for those who say, and I'm, this is the NLT, not the King James, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good, and good evil, that darkness is light, and light darkness. So, Jesus said that we're to let our light shine. Everybody say, praise the Lord. That's the admonition tonight. We are to let our light shine. Not to be silent, not to put a piece of tape across our mouth and act like we don't know anything. So everybody will like us and everybody will, we never have to worry about it. Ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and so on. And now we close with 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you realize, and this is the uh, new living, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, 
or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So I think we should just, one. let's stand together and let's just lift our hearts and say, Lord, thank you because such were some of us. But we have been sanctified by the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Father, we thank you tonight because the church is growing by leaps and bounds. And at the same time, there is chaos about us. We ask, Lord, that we will be true to your word and that we will stand faithful to the end and be ready to hear the trumpet when it sounds. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise here tonight? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. So we are excited of what God is doing and his word tonight. How many love the word of God tonight? Praise God. I hope that I've stirred us up a little bit to get into the prayer room. Could we just bow our heads together right now? Let's pray. I'm going to pray with you, but would you really pray with me for just a moment? Father, right now, I pray for every family. I pray for each home. Pray for each of our our elders, Lord, our, our elder saints. I pray for whatever concerns they have. I pray for our young couples. I pray for their marriages, for their future. I pray that revival will fill the apostolic church. I pray that more and more people will get the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. And as Satan stirs up this last day, I pray that we will see a mighty move of God like we've never seen before. And that we will be baptizing more and more and more. Lives will be transformed by the word of God. Lord, what we need is not people just walking into church and claiming something, but actually being born again by the spirit and the power of God. And Lord, we give you praise for it. Lord, I pray blessing on our young people, our children. Bless our camp, Lord, that's going on tonight at the campground, each of our children. And Lord, protect us and keep us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.